How many times have you thought to yourself, yes, Jenna, I want to have fun on weekdays. I love what you're doing, but I need to save my money. I can't be going out every single night. I don't have enough money to be having fun on weekdays. Well, you know what? This episode is for you because I sit down with Chloe Elise. She's the CEO and founder of Deeper Than Money, which is a global financial literacy company with the mission to teach women in their 20s and 30s about how to get ahead with money without shame, without the guilt, without sacrificing the things they care about, while also having fun. After going from being a broke college girl, same girl, (laughs) to paying off $36,000 of debt in 18 months, Okay, I'm not there yet, but we're going to we're going to get some advice from Chloe on how to do it to now building a multi six figure net worth at 26 years old. Oh my goodness, what an accomplishment. Chloe is on a mission to teach others how to build wealth for good. She is not a gatekeeper. She is here to give you all of her tips, her tricks, what she's learned throughout the years and really just help empower women start having conversations about money. I mean, how often were we grown up being told not to talk about it because it's rude, but then you get your first real job and you don't actually know if you're being underpaid because we don't, we just don't talk about it. So Chloe is here to have that conversation today. First, we start talking about how she paid off her student loans because I know a lot of us listening to this episode are in that boat right now, whether you are going into college or whether you are out of college and kind of figuring out what to do with all of this debt, myself included. We also tap into relationships, specifically in my Facebook group. I've seen quite a few posts about financials and relationships, whether that is living together and splitting expenses or paying for dates. Finances can be such a point of contention, and it shouldn't be. Finances should be a way that you can empower your relationships, and financials should be a way to empower your relationship and be able to build a future together with expectations, and it starts now. We get into prenups, we get into Chloe's best fun on weekdays activities, and we just really have an open conversation. I left this episode feeling so empowered, and I hope you feel the same, so sit back, Grab a notebook, open your notes app if you want to. Take some notes because Chloe is here to teach us and empower us and just talk about money and how to not let your finances get in the way of having fun on weekdays. Okay, all right, so we're recording. Okay. Hello. Hello. You guys, welcome back to Fun on Weekdays podcast. We are up bright and early today to record this episode for you that is going to come out tomorrow. And I'm here with my new friend, Chloe. She is incredible. Last week on Thursday, before I came home, we actually got up early again. Um, Are you a morning person? No, are you? No, absolutely (laughs) not. And so I'm in Ohio right now. Chloe, you are, are you in Kansas City? Kansas city. Okay. So we're on different time zones. And when we were going back and forth about timing, I could not like figure out the central versus Eastern timing. So I woke up today at seven thinking that you would be at eight, but like actually you being at eight is me at nine. So anyways, long story short, here we are today for a part two talking all about money. So you guys go and listen to Chloe's podcast. It's called deeper than money. We recorded a part one, which is her asking all about the ins and outs of financials for creators, the budgets that we have, kind of like brand deals, how really all of that works and 
how your life and your financials change when you become a full-time content creator. So if you've ever been interested in that, feel free to go listen to it. Chloe's amazing, amazing energy. After recording that, I, I actually tagged you in this. I know you saw it. I listened to your episode. Um, Oh my God. With Natalie Frank. And I was just for the rest of the day, I kept thinking about it. I'm like, wow, that was just so freaking good. And so I knew when I had you on here today, I wanted you to have the exact same effect with that girls will listen to this podcast episode and just leave listening to this feeling so empowered, feeling so motivated. And that's exactly how you had me feeling. So today we're going to talk all about how to kind of maximize your financials as a young woman and why we should talk about it and kind of like just all of your experience and the advice that you can give to my listeners as many of the people that listen are in high school and they're kind of gearing up for college, which is a huge expense, or they're coming out of college, or maybe they're like trying to change careers and things like that. So Chloe, go ahead and introduce yourself for anyone who doesn't know you. For sure. So my name is Chloe Elise. I'm the CEO and founder of Deeper the Money, which is a global financial literacy company. And so our goal is to make financial literacy something that is accessible and understood and there's no shame in it and there's no guilt. And there's not that icky feeling when somebody brings up finances and you feel like, oh, I'm a moron. I have no idea what they're talking about. I just need to like exit myself out of this conversation. Like I don't belong here. That's what our goal um, is to really just absolutely crush those, those current expectations to where you feel welcome in the arena talking about money. And so a little bit about me, a little bit about me. Um, so I'm 26 now, but I grew up like strong, hardworking Midwestern values. Oh yeah. (laughs) I know when you're telling your story, I was like, I relate so much to it. Like my first job was at 14 and then I was working full-time the summers, like in high school, I was working like teaching private swim lessons and babysitting and work at the fairgrounds and doing all these things because I was like, wait a second, if I work hard, I have money. And if I have money, then like no one can tell me I can't go to the movies while well, I mean, my parents can, but <laughs> they couldn't say no, like we're not giving you money, which they did a lot prior to that. But then I would be like, oh, well I can pay to go to the movies. And so I'd get to go or I, they couldn't say no to the toy because I could buy it. And it was this freedom, right? It was this like, oh my God, absolute freedom. And so I just started becoming obsessed with work. And so I would work, I would spend the money and then I'd be like, oh my gosh, I don't have money. I need to work harder. And then I would get more jobs or like work more hours or whatever it may be. And so it was like this cycle of like hard work, make more money, spend the money. Oh my gosh, I I don't have money, work harder, like all those things. And I just felt stuck because I had no clue how to save, what to do with money. And the other like Midwestern value that I was taught to a T was do not talk about money. It is rude. Do not yeah. ask about money. Don't ask people salary. Like I can remember as a kid being like, uh, you know, at the grocery store, like how much does that cost? And my parents would be like, don't ask that. Like, do not ask that. That's rude. And so I just knew you didn't talk about money. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I don't, <laughs> you can't talk about it. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So I'm bopping through life just with that same mentality. I go to college. I kind of grew up thinking like, you know, which this is a very privileged way of thinking, but like in my high school and just like what my parents said, it's just like, that's just what you did. So I'm like, okay. Like, I didn't really think much of it. I was just like, okay. Like after high school, you just go to college, which again, I'm very privileged, like to have had that mindset gifted to me. Right. Like that was just like the trajectory I thought everyone needed to have. 
So I was like, I don't really know where to go. I think I went on like two college visits and my older sister went to um, a small private college in Iowa and she loved it. And I went on a visit. I'm like, yeah, no, for sure. Like this sounds fun. So I'm like, okay, okay, I'll go here. And um, so I like put my deposit down and I like signed my life away for student loans. And I remember going to the student loan office and literally the lady is like, okay, come on in. Like, we're going to, you know, we're going to talk about like how much you own stuff. And I was like, mom, do I have to go in there? And she was like, well, don't, don't you want to know like what your dad is? And I'm like, no, oh my God. No. The thought of her talk, this lady, this random lady telling me how much debt I was going to be. I didn't get what debt was. I literally didn't understand what debt was at that point. I just knew it was something like, oh, everyone had, and you had to do, do, go to college. I'm like, okay, sure. I don't even go to the meeting. Like I sit in the meeting just to be like, hi. And then I leave. So I didn't even know how much debt I was going into go to debt. <laughs> and then in college, same thing. I was like, okay, pick up more jobs, make money, work hard, spend the money. It's gone. I'm stressed. And then repeat. And I got to this point, probably my junior year of college where I was like missing out on fun with my friends, right? It was like the theme parties and the birthdays and this, and I had to miss those things to work. But I was like, why am I missing these things to work when I've literally no money ever? Like no matter how much I made, I always spent it. And I always felt stressed with money. I always felt like the broke college girl. And like, I was donating plasma to pay my bills. Like I was like kind of broke, but I was working really hard. I just did not manage money. And, um, so anyway, I have this epiphany where I'm like, this is it. I like, there has to be a better way because if I'm going to feel broke, I might as well just not work. And then I can go to all the fun stuff. Like I'm an Enneagram seven. I'm an extrovert. Like I love the fun. Like if there's, if something's going on, I want to be there. I have to be there. And so I have this epiphany and like, all right, this is it. I'm going to figure it out. So I go and I start trying to like figure out money. And I'm like, literally, I'm not kidding. I'm in the library. Like, Oh, I'll just head to the finance section. Like what the hell? I had no clue what I was doing. I'm Googling like how to get ahead with money. And all these resources were like, just stop going out with your friends. Like stop spending money. Do not buy a drink at the bar. Do not do this. And I'm like, well, this sucks. Like, okay. So my options are because I've seen loan debt the, the last year of college, I'm not supposed to go out. I'm not supposed to like like go buy a margarita with my friends what I was like this is so (laughs) dumb and so I tried like following this advice for a little bit and it would last a week and then I'd be like screw this I'm going out with my friends I'm not going to miss these memories and then I would feel so guilty and I'd be like wow I suck like I'm just not working hard enough like I'm just not good with money like this is why I'm just not trying hard enough you're right I need to crack down and then I would go a week and I would I would say no I can't go to the thing because I can't spend money And then I would miss it and I'd feel so resentful and I'd feel so angry and I'd feel so mad at myself and just like down. And I'd feel like I'm behind everyone else. Everyone else is so much further ahead than me and all this stuff. And then I would say, screw it. I'm going to enjoy my life. And then I would spend, and then I'd feel guilty. And it was this constant cycle until finally I was like, you know what? Maybe there's just not finance out there for the like, you know, Gen Z millennial, like 20 to 30 year old age, like early adulthood, however you want to say it, that isn't based around shame and isn't based around sacrifice. And so that's really where I went on my own journey to figure out how can we bring together financial literacy where you're understanding all these principles, but also like bring it together with this idea of like alignment and focusing on what matters to you and like excitement around spending and excitement around hitting your goals 
instead of this principle of like, you suck, why did you spend that? Spending is bad. And like all these like negative principles. So that is where deep in the money was created. And then the last thing I'll say is, so once I kind of like hit that, hit that, uh, milestone in my life, that's really when everything changed for me, I went on and paid off $36,000 of debt in 18 months. And six, six of those months I was in college, it changed everything. Um, and then since then I've made it a goal to become a millionaire before I turn 28. So I have like, I turned 27 in September. We're okay. September babies. But so I'm like, that's my goal right now um, that I'm currently working on and truly to go from like broke college girl to that. Um, that's what I teach. That's, that's what deeper the money is, is here for. And to do it without shame and without guilt and without like just overall, uh, this overall, like you're not welcome here vibe. No, yes. that's not how we do it around here. Well, first of all, you just have like the most infectious way of telling a story. I feel like I was just like nodding my head. Yes, yes, yes. But also everything that you said is so relatable on the fact that I think a lot of us, especially when I talk about fun on weekdays, a lot of people are like, well, I can't have fun on weekdays because a lot of people associate that with spending money. And a lot of people don't have the means to go out and buy dinner or go to a movie or see a concert or do these things that cost money every single day of the week. And like you said, those are things that you want to do because you don't want to feel like you're missing out on life. But then when you do it, you feel guilty. And then it's almost like in that moment, you don't really allow yourself to enjoy it and be proud of that purchase because all you're thinking is, okay, now I need to work X amount of hours to make this back. And so you said that you paid off $36,000 in student loans. First of all, that is an amazing accomplishment. I hope you're like so proud of yourself. I am currently waiting on my student loans, which I need to ask you a lot of advice about. So a lot of people I'm sure, but my first question before I forget is you said you started working at 14. And so my question is, how did you go essentially from working all of these like little jobs in college and, you know, all these things to not having money to then saving the 36,000, like what was truly that number one thing that you followed that you were actually able to save that and then pay it back? For sure. So I would say the beginning period where you have no momentum, like that, that is the biggest shift because when I was sitting there, like, I will never forget, like I said earlier in the story, I didn't know how much debt I was in when I went to college, like my freshman year, my sophomore year, my even part of, part of my junior, I had no idea how much debt I was in. I, I genuinely couldn't have guessed it, but if you would have made me, I probably would have said like $2,000 because to me, that was a lot of money. That was a lot of money. I would yeah. never like the thought of like third. First of all, I couldn't even imagine like thirty six thousand dollars, like dollars. Nonetheless, like debt, like I owe that. Like I couldn't even fathom it. So anyway, I remember the day I worked in the college mailroom. I'm sitting there. I'm finally like, okay, I got to figure this out, right? Like everything financial literacy said, like know your numbers, know what's going on. So I'm like, okay, today's the day. I called, create an account. Didn't even have an account open. They were like, ma'am, you've had an account with us for like three years. I'm like, I know, well aware. What's, how do I create a login? Thank you. Wait, an account where? At like Navient, like my student loan account. I know, oh, okay. I didn't even have a login for it. Like they no. sent me a uh, like username. I never set it up. I have to be honest. I still have, <laughs> my mom forwarded me the email and I still have the email favorited in my, in my email because I haven't made an account either. And I'm like two years out of college now. Like 
especially graduating in the middle of COVID, yeah. you didn't have a graduation. So for me, it just didn't really feel like we had like a hard stop and there was ever a timeline of when you had to get shit done. Yeah. So in my mind, it's just been like being pushed off. And when you don't create an account, what you don't realize is that the money just starts accumulating because <laughs> the amount of time that you don't pay it off, you start getting interest. Exactly. Yeah. So that, and, and that was like the moment, like I will never forget the moment I'm working in the mailroom. That was my job at like, that's one of my jobs in college. And we, there's like this little computer and I create this count I'm sitting on it and I'm like, beep, beep, beep. I'm going to find out I owe a thousand dollars or whatever. And the screen pops up and I knew. So at that point I had a car loan to like $10,000 if that was a car loan. So um, I knew I had that. And that was like unbelievably so much money. It like oh my God, it pained me. But I was like, it's okay. It's okay. I'm just gonna have a little bit more of student loans and we're gonna be fine. And then I opened it up and it's like $26,000. And I, there was like someone working over in the copy center, which was like connected, but we were always supposed to stay there. And I was like, I have to go to the bathroom and I get up and I go to the bathroom and I sit in the bathroom and I ball. I literally was bawling. This is such a niche like thing, but just, do you know what I'm talking about? When like you have to cry and you go to the bathroom and you stare down so the tears don't hit your mascara. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? I feel like yes. people are like, yes, absolutely. You're like, what are you talking about? So I'm like I do. sitting down. So like tears are hitting the floor so I can go like back to work and nobody knows I'm crying. And so I'm just like, oh my gosh. And I sit there and I pull up my phone calculator and I do 30 or yeah, 36,000. That's my total debt divided by $7 and 20 cents. Cause that was what I was making per hour. And I, I, which means like, that was how many hours it would take me to pay this off. And which you kind of mentioned earlier when it's like, yeah. Oh, I go to the concert, but then that means I have to work this. And I just cried. I was like, I will literally never pay this off. I will never pay this off. It felt like a million dollars. And, and I think like that moment for so many people, because money isn't talked about, there's so much shame in that moment. When you're looking at whatever your number is, whether it be credit card debt, student loans, whether it be like what you're making, like whatever it is, whatever that insecurity might be for you, you sit there and you look at that number and to you, you feel like the exception. You're like, I can never get ahead of money. Other people can. Everyone else is fine. Everyone else is doing great. Everyone else is killing it. I suck. I will never get ahead. Like I'm, it's, you know, I'm, I'm the one that this won't work for. And so that was my moment where I was like, wow, I, I, this is it. Like I'll never get ahead. And so to answer your original question, but I have to tell that story first, the most, the key part was going from there. And I had a pity party for like a week. Like it wasn't like, I was like, and now let's start. No, I like literally cried about it and was so mad for like a whole week. And then finally I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to try. I'm going to, and this was like the, one of the most important moments. I was like, what if I just pretend like, what if I could get ahead? Right. Cause I didn't believe like, it wasn't like in that moment where I'm like, I just crunched the numbers. I'm going to get, I'm going to pay this off in this amount. I was just like, should I even start? What's the point? Like, is it even worth it? Can I even like try to get ahead with this? And so that was a moment where I'm like, what if, because and if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, oh my gosh, I have student loan debt or I have this, and I feel like I'm struggling so much. I'm not asking you to believe like, oh my gosh, in six months, you're going to do this. Just ask yourself, what if, what if I could pay that off? What if I was able to do this? Because, um, one of the, one of the wild things. So at that time I was in college. And so then I ended up graduating like six months later from like the time I actually started paying off debt. 
And um, I didn't know what my corporate job was going to be. So I didn't know what my salary was and things like that. So at the time when I was doing the math on like $7.25, I was doing or 20 cents. I was doing it based on where I was at at that time. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't know like what's to come. And so that belief of like, okay, what if I can do this has to happen first? Because if you don't believe that, why would you, you know, keep going? Like, how do you keep that momentum? So that's number one. Then the second thing is understanding, like creating really, really, really small wins and tangible goals. And so one of the biggest things that I think is a huge mistake in the finance industry of like how things are portrayed is like create a list of goals and all the goals are like pay off student loans, pay off credit card debt, pay off this. And it's like, no, no, no. Like instead, what if you made a list that was like, okay, my first goal is I'm going to pay off. $500 of my student loans, my private student loans, let's say, for example. Then number two is I'm going to save up for a concert. And then number three is this other thing. And then number four is this other thing. Because that creates sustainability. And sustainability matters so much more than this, like, oh, I'm just going to put my head down and not spend and have a no spend month and just like go so hard because we burn out. And then we become resentful towards our goals because we're not having fun. We're missing the concert or missing these other things. And so that was one of the big, uh, huge pieces that like got the ball rolling for me was I didn't say like, I'm going to give up everything. And here's the thing, like, this is like my big point. I could have likely become debt free maybe a couple weeks sooner, but at what cost? right? Like I would have had to give up things that I really valued at that time. And to me, that wasn't worth it. That wasn't worth it. And that's what I really try to preach to everyone today is like, it's okay to potentially like give up the like quickest route in order to have a route to your destination that you absolutely love and enjoy and still get there and still pay off the debt, but didn't miss out on, you know, the fun on weekdays or whatever else it is. Yes. I love that. So in terms of like paying it off, did you just kind of stop, you started saying no to like the littler things. And then did you set aside a certain number of, or amount that you were going to pay towards your student loans each month or each week from your paycheck? And how did you figure out what that number should be for you based on your lifestyle? Because I think what a lot of people don't understand and myself included is when you do graduate college, if you go to college and you start your full-time job, you are now getting your first full-time, you know, corporate paycheck and not really understanding what your true Um, budget is, whether you have a car payment or you have, you know, a new apartment or you're traveling a lot. So you have gas or you have flight expenses. And if, if each month your, your living expenses are different, how do you kind of set aside enough money that you know, that you're kind of making progress, but also not too much money that you're not going to be able to make ends meet when in terms of like groceries or just your basic living. For sure. So the biggest thing, first of all, is really understanding like how much money is coming in. Because especially for me, when I first started doing this, like I said, I was working multiple jobs, which I feel like a lot of people in college are, or maybe you're working like a waitressing job or something where your income fluctuates. Um, or maybe you're in a corporate job, but you have a side hustle, or maybe you're just in a corporate job, you know, your paycheck, whatever it is, you have to understand like how much money is coming in this month. And some people will be like, but I don't know, right. I'm a waitress. I don't know how much I'm going to make. So what I will recommend to do is figure out, look at how much you've made in previous months. And I get, it's a little harder for like 
waitresses or um, people who are getting a lot of cash because cash is like, if you're not tracking it, then it's like, sometimes like cash to me, I'm like, is this play money? Absolutely. This isn't real. <laughs> like what? It's not touch my bank now. It's untraceable. I like, I'm not counting this, right? Like, I know. I fall into that trap like so easily. Cash it in is, these days, it's like monopoly money. Like it is so rare that a business even accepts cash. It's <laughs> like a little accessory these days. No, it really is. Like I literally will think like, huh, what would I do with this? And it will just like sit there and then I'll, I'll use it on something. And then that's like when I need cash. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I just like, don't, I don't, I don't have cash. So anyway, cash is like, feels fake to me. So if you are, especially like a, a waitress or something like that, where you have cash, you could once a week, instead of just like pocketing that you could either like write down, okay, how much I made this week or how much I made per day, or you could put it in your account and then have it in there. So it's like digitized. So it feels more like real and whatever. Um, but the biggest thing is understanding how much am I making? So like adding that all up on a low month and then a high month, because what we want to do is we always want to plan around the low month, right? Because we don't want to plan around the middle because then what if you have a low month, then it can feel really stressful. We don't want to plan around the high month because then if you're below it again, you feel stressed out. So we're going to plan everything around the low month. And then what we do is figure out how much like a low month would be plan everything around it and see, can I make ends meet? If I have a low month, if you can make ends meet amazing. If on a low month, you can make ends meet and have a little bit extra amazing. We're going to write down, okay, here's how much extra I normally have in a low month. Then we're going to do the same with like a middle month or a high month or whatever else. And just start seeing like, how can I play around with the numbers? Right. Um, one of my, this is like such a silly example, but when it comes to, cause a lot of people are like, I literally have no clue how much I can put towards student loans a month, mm-hmm. for example. And so one of the easiest ways to think about it is like, if you got a speeding ticket for $20, would you be able to pay it this month? No problem. And they're like, yeah, sure. 20 bucks. Okay. What if it was a hundred bucks? Would you be able to pay it? No problem. Well, yeah. Okay. What about 500? What about that? Like, what is the number of a speeding ticket where if you got it, you're like, well, I can't just not pay this. Like, cause I could lose my license. Right. Like I have to pay this. What is the number that like, even if it's a little bit like, oh, okay. I don't love it. Like, oh, this is making me a little nervous. But like, I can still pay that. What is that number? Because that number likely is very close and we can do like the logistics behind it, but this is a good mindset exercise that is a good number of something that could leave your account every single month and would, would still be fine. Right. Because a lot of times when things are like inevitable, we have to pay them. We just figure out a way to make it work. But when they're like, should I be paying extra? It feels like, ah, I don't want that money to leave. Right. I want to hold on to it. Cause I get really nervous when money leaves. Cause I feel comfortable when I have money. So one of the other really big things that I recommend doing is prior to going and paying that off is to create an emergency fund. So an emergency fund is literally just like saving money, but putting it into a high yield savings account. This is so big. Okay, girl, before we get any further, further, what is a, what is that? What is a high yield bank account? What is that? If you have one takeaway from this episode, every single person create a high yield savings account. This is like, if I were given a microphone and everyone in the world had to listen to me, actually, no, this wouldn't be what I said, but it would be like top 10. This is so important. Okay. So if you keep your money in a savings account or it at your normal bank, okay. Like most big banks, I do. You're literally making a nickel 
every year in interest, right? Like you might see that like once a year you get like a plus five cents and you're like, what is this? And it's like, it's the bank saying like, thank you for putting your money here because here's the thing. A lot of people like that isn't really common knowledge. When you put your money in a bank, your the banks use that money, give it to someone else and then make interest on that other person. Right. So they're making money off your money. And then when you want that money back, they take somebody else's money and they give it to you. Like it's not, that's why it's so like money is so like kind of fakeish because it's like when you, you can put cash in your bank account, that is not the same cash that you will be taking out. Right. Because it's, it's, it flows because the banks make money off of you using them. So first of all, number one, this is why you should never have an account with bank fees ever, ever, ever. You should never have a simple checking account or a simple savings account with any fees. If you have any fees, call your bank and ask for them to drop the fees. Say you want a simple account. Um, or, and I mean this truly go to a different bank because that is, that is one, especially if you are someone who's a college student, you're someone who you're like, I'm kind of struggling a little bit. You should not be like, that is one of the biggest, like, ways banks take advantage of, of people who don't necessarily even realize that's not common is banking fees. You should not be paying any fees on your checking or savings. Literally call the 1-800 number and say, I would like to switch to a checking account that has no fees. That is all you have to say. And they will move it. If they say, we don't have one like that. If you go to like a smaller bank or something, I highly recommend finding a bank that has no fees. Okay. Let's start there. But (laughs) Apart from the fees, let's say you're like, got it. I have a checking and savings account at a bank with no fees. I don't pay any fees. Amazing. On that savings account, you're literally going to make, no matter what's in there, probably like a penny to 10 cents every single year in interest of the bank saying, thanks for putting your money there, even though I'm making money off of you. A high yield savings account, okay, is the literal exact same thing as a savings account at your bank, but you're making better interest on it, Okay. So the high yield, high yield savings accounts, again, the things to look for is making sure they're FDIC insured, which basically just means like, if anything happens, um, you're, you will get that money. Um, because there are some like weird ones out there that I just like always check to make sure it's FDIC insured. That basically just means it's legit. It's a legit place. Okay. Um, the second one, make sure there's no fees as always. We don't, we don't want any fees. Um, and then making sure that like you, uh, just look at any other things. There are the only like wonky thing is that because it's a savings account, not a checking account. Um, a lot of times they will have a six transaction limit per month, which means you can put as much money into it, but you just can't pull from it. So again, this isn't money that you want to like put in and then pull back and put in and pull back. It's money that you just want to put over there and leave, which is perfect for an emergency fund, which I'll talk about more in a second. Um, So anyway, it takes like five minutes. I personally love Ally. It's like A-L-L-Y.com. But there's a bunch of different, like really different, or there's a bunch of really good ones out there. It just depends on like where you already bank and like what you like. I like Ally for anyone who, because that's like probably the number one question mask. Which one do you like? I, I like Ally. Me like uh, typing notes right now. I'm like, mm, okay, make a, make yeah. a high yield. So I've, I have to be honest with you. I, okay. I am turning 25 in September and I never had a savings account until literally a month and a half ago. So well, until this point, oh, I don't think that's a good thing. No, it's amazing because now you have one and that's what matters. Oh, oh, oh yeah. The good thing is now that I have it, 
But so up until then, and like you said, I worked a lot of waitressing jobs, a lot of, I bartended, I worked at two restaurants growing up in high school during the summers, and you do make a lot of cash. And to your point, I would only, I would take some of that cash out and I would put in what I knew I never had to touch again. So my checking account really kind of acted as like my debit account. I never had a credit card until a month and a half ago. And um, so people always ask me for financial advice. I'm like, girl, I promise you, I'm not the one to give it to you because I just started doing this stuff. Um, But up until then, all of my money was going in and coming out of my checking account. So from what you're saying, it sounds like to me, this high yield savings account is kind of the opposite of a credit card. Whereas the longer you take to pay back that money to the credit card, the, the more that I actually have to pay the more that I have to pay in interest versus the high yield savings account is the longer that I have that money in the savings account, the bank has to pay me more money. Oh, okay. So very similar. So instead it's just whatever money's in there, it is earning interest. So if you have a hundred dollars in there, you are earning whatever the interest rate is on that, but you can't lose money. There's like the, okay. the lowest even during, so interest rates will like go up and down, like just based on what's happening in our economy right now, interest rates are going up, which can be tough for people who are potentially buying homes because you might see that your interest rate that you oh, can get home is bigger, <laughs> which you can talk about in a little bit, but in the good way, interest rates are going up, which means in, for example, a high yield savings account, you will earn more money. So during COVID, I mean, like in the, in the peak of COVID interest rates, shot down from like, they were at like 3% to, oh my gosh, they were down to like 0.5%. Um, now they're starting to raise that back up. So now I think allies, which is what I use is at like 1% and they're going to continue to go up. So here's the thing, the difference between like making 0.001% at your normal bank versus making 1% at a high yield savings account. Here's the thing. This is not money that you're going to be like, hell yeah, I'm retiring off of this. Like this is money. Where it's like, if your money is going to sit there, it might as well be making you money, right? It might as well be making you money. Um, and so this emergency fund that I've been talking about, the goal of this emergency fund is we take money, and I'll tell you how much in a second, and we put it into the high yield savings account, and it sits there. It is not there to build money, right? There's two types of money. There's building money, right? That's like putting money into retirement, um, like investing, things like that. The other type of money is protecting money. That is like an emergency fund. And that money protects you from ever having to dip into your um, investments or ever having to sell your house because you need money or sell your car because you need money. Right. So the emergency fund protects you from ever needing to tap into that wealth building money. So for an emergency fund, I recommend one month to three months of expenses. So for someone who is like, I live at home with mom and dad. Maybe I'm still in college. I have really low expenses. One month could be great, right? Um, one month of expenses in an merch or in a high yield savings account. So you go online. It takes five minutes. Literally, if you are, and I, like, this is not even a plug. Like, I'm serious. If you are sitting there, like, I'm so, because this, I, I get, this is my most common DM. I'm so nervous about opening a high yield savings account. I know you told me to. I just am scared I'm going to press the wrong button. I literally have a free training. It's 10 minutes and I share my screen and I show you here's how I'm opening up a high yield savings. So go and watch that. It's on deeperthemoney.com. 
today's episode, we talk all about saving money, spending money, and feeling guilty about spending money. So I want to share my tip with you that my mom has ingrained in my head from the time that I was a little girl, is that you should never buy anything full price. I used to go to the mall with my parents and run straight to the sale rack, and now I still do that. There are some exceptions of when I will pay full price, and that is if it's like super last minute, but if it's a gift or I have time in advance to get it, you can always, always find a coupon. And for me, I get so much more excited about making that purchase, and I feel a lot less guilty when I know that I'm getting a good deal or at least some type of discount. Macy's always has discounts, they always have coupons, always have holiday sales, and I have a landing page. It is macy's.com forward slash FOW with a ton of great deals, whether it is makeup, shoes, uh, gifts for your boyfriend. There's everything on Macy's. So before you pay full price, make sure you do your research and try and find the lowest you can to save some extra money because it does add up. When you're in a relationship with that person, of course, like you love them, you know, you love them, but like money can oftentimes when it's not talked about, when it's ignored about become this state of like underlying resentment and it doesn't have to, it really does not have to. And, and the best way to do this is to sit down and have conversations about money with your partner that aren't always nagging. Like a lot of times the, the only time people talk about money is often when it's negative, right? Like, did you do this? Or why didn't you do this? Or like, Oh, well, I thought you were going to do this or wait, what? You don't want this. And so sitting down and just like dreaming together, like go on Zillow together and talk about things you want or things you don't want, or, um, just bring up a conversation of, Hey, we're going on this trip. And like, Let's talk about like how, you know, how do you want to split things? Talk about stuff in advance and and let it be a conversation that's like fun and empowering and proactive instead of like reactive and frustrating about, you know, your differences. Yeah. And I'm sure you would be one to advocate for the importance of knowing like your financial goals personally before being able to share them with a partner and like come to terms and kind of like talk about that together to move forward and build a future together. So one of the things that I always say, I'm always like, I'm so good at saving my money. I don't have like a specific formula when I follow it. Um, One of the things that I do is like, when I get paid now, my invoices are obviously very sporadic, right? Because like, I'm not on a salaried income anymore, but what I do is I figure out, okay, I have the expenses for my apartment rent, my car payment, my office rent, um, like Quincy, if he's going to the vet, whatever it may be, like all of the ones that I know for a fact that I have to pay or like planning out events. If I know how much that event is going to cost, you take that all out of your income. And then what I do is I try to save and all of like your expenses, whether it comes to groceries too. So I take 80% of it and I try to put it into savings. And obviously like sometimes, sometimes it does or doesn't work depending on the month, which I should be like, maybe a little bit better, take some advice from you. But I try to put 80% of that extra of the extra after all of my expenses into savings. And then the 20% is what I could use towards like buying a new pair of shoes or uh, a new dress for an event or whatever it may be that I like, or I'm going out or something like that. Um, I tried to save like 80%, but only after you subtract all of that. So I was curious if you have like a specific, um, little like hack that you follow personally. 
For sure. So I, the, the biggest thing is that like, I think one of the biggest myths in the finance industry is this idea of like, you should always be saving. Like you should always save X not percentage, which doesn't necessarily have to be true. Are there times when you're just like, saving is my number of priority. I'm saving. For example, me two years ago, I was constantly saving because I was saving for a house. So like I was going me and like, I was in the same spot as you are. We're like every extra, I was like put into savings because I'm saving for this specific thing. But like, that should be the mentality of like, I'm saving for this thing because outside of that, we want to look at our priorities of like, you might be in a situation where let's say you created your emergency fund. So when you were saving for that, you were in a state of saving all of my extra or whatever extra 80%, whatever you want to do is going to go to saving for my emergency funds. But then you save it. You're like, hell yeah, what's next? Then let's say your next top priority is paying off a credit card or starting to pay off private student loans or something like that. Then it is okay because you have your emergency fund as backup. It is okay to not be setting a percentage to savings and instead use that to tackle debt or use that to do other things. Or maybe if you're in a spot where like, this is where I'm at right now, where I don't have like, there's not debt that I'm specifically like trying to tackle right now. I have my emergency fund. Um, I'm not saving for anything specifically right now. So my extra is all going toward investing. So like that is where it's going to, but, and here's what I do is, so let's say my, like anything I have extra, I'm like, okay, perfect. I'm going to put that towards investing. And again, I also like, I allocate money for shopping. I allocate money for fun. Like I'm yeah. not like every dime to investing. No, everything outside of the things I allocate then go to investing, but then I'll have, um, so I own a lake house and I'll, I'm doing like renovations. And so let's say I come up with like, Oh my gosh, it'd be so cool to add. Um, I don't know, a cabana. I just like made that up. Add a slide, add a slide from your porch down into the water. It might be a huge liability, but it would be so fun. We would all have a place to come and party in the summer. Yeah. You can have like a fun weekdays event. Everyone has to sign a million liability waivers. (laughs) (laughs) But let's say I put a slide in there. So then I'm like, okay, perfect. Going into next month, let's say it's $10,000. Okay. Expensive slide. It's going to be like rhinestone. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So, um, it's $10,000. So then the next month I might say, okay, I'm going to invest nothing this month or a little bit less. I'm going to save for that. And then the next month I'm going to go back to investing. So it's like, we can always be flowing and changing like with that or whatever. But then when it comes to answering your question of like, what percent, like, how do I decide that? The biggest thing is just like you said, understanding your numbers, like how much does it actually cost me to pay for those things for the expense I want to. And then, and this is big is like, make sure you're allocating. Like I have a lot of people who, a lot of clients who, like you said, when you're like, I allocate, let's say for you, it's 20%, but they'll allocate whether they do a percentage or a number, they'll allocate that. But then when they spend it, they'll still feel bad. They'll still feel like I have to justify why I'm doing this. Or I have to prove that like, I'm working hard. So people think that I'm, it's okay for me to like, they need to go and do it. And then they still feel guilty. They still feel like, oh my gosh, like, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Or like, why did I do that? And so it's like, even in the allocated spending where they're planning, they're like, yes, I'm so excited. I'm going to buy these shoes. They still feel bad about it. Mm -hmm. And so my encouragement to you is like, you have to one, know your numbers. Number two, know your goal of like, am I saving? Am I paying off debt? Whatever. But number three, when you allocate that money, which you should towards fun, toward 
shopping, towards whatever else it is, allow yourself to enjoy it without shame, without judgment, without, um, you know, feeling bad about it because it's like spending is part of it. Like spending is not the enemy. It's okay to spend and you're allowed to spend and also hit those goals too. Mm -hmm. We talked a lot on the episode that we recorded for your podcast, specifically about guilt of, you know, like, I always feel the need to justify all of my purchases. And actually like right before this, after my, um, after my dentist appointment that I had today, I went to the mall and I bought a new pair of shoes and I got home and I showed them to my mom and I was justifying all the reasons like why I needed them. Like, no, they're so cute. Like I can wear them multiple times, right? Like that wasn't a stupid purchase. And you catch yourself doing that all the time. We talk about that a lot on your episode, which if anyone's like struggling with that, I think you would definitely resonate. And then in terms of like figuring out what your actual budget is for yourself. One thing that I didn't realize is I actually have chase. So I have the chase app. And you can go into each month and see like a bank statement and it'll break it up for what all of your money that's coming in is. And then what your money is going out towards. So there was a month that I am not kidding you. I spent like over a thousand dollars on something so stupid. What was it like Uber or something? And I'm like, holy crap or no, not Uber. Um, I don't know. It was a month that I was like traveling a lot, doing something. But I remember seeing that and being like, oh my God, I would have never even known that I spent that much because a lot of times we just like wipe our, our credit card, you know, and then we don't actually look at what's left in our bank account. Cause you just think in your mind, like, oh, I just got paid. I have money, blah, blah, blah. Or I'm getting paid next week. So it's okay. And then reflecting on it. I'm like, wow, I can do a way better job. Obviously there's going to be like some months that I spend a lot more on food, especially if I'm traveling. Um, and there's going to be some months that I don't really spend that much because maybe I'm home in Austin and I'm like spending more time outside versus like going out and stuff. Um, definitely going out was a huge, huge expense for me, especially when I was working at TikTok. Um, luckily I was single, so I was getting all of my drinks for free, but I was going out like, right. I was going out like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday for Sunday, fun day. And then everybody thought that this idea of fun on weekdays was going out every single night. And then everyone's like, well, how do you even do that? How do you even afford that? And honestly, like a lot of people kind of pay paycheck to paycheck. It's how they live their life. But I wanted to ask you kind of how you think that like, first of all, what deeper the money means to you and also how you think it ties into just the general idea of fun on weekdays and not feeling guilty and like enjoying spending your money while actually having fun and still trying to save. For sure. So I think the biggest thing when it comes to like this idea of deeper the money, right? Like I, I called the company deeper the money because truly it's not just about finances. It's not always about what's best on paper. Like people ask me like, what's better renting or buying? And I'm like, well, what are your priorities? What do you love? What do you want in your life? Like all of those different things. And so it's like, you have to understand not only how, what financial literacy is, but you have to understand why do I want this? How is this a priority? You also have to understand your beliefs behind it, what you believe to be true about money and the psychology behind money in order to get ahead. And so um, for me, when it comes to this like deeper than money, like lens of like, how do I fund on weekdays and things like that? It's understanding what do I want to get out of this, right? Like, what do I want to get out of this and making fun on weekdays? And, and you talk about this a lot, which I like, love this about you of like, you don't have to be spending money to have fun. You can, you mm-hmm. absolutely can like you're, and you're allowed to, and you're allowed to do it guilt-free. Like if that's a priority, you're allowed to make it work. 
But also at the same time, if you're like, I really want to have fun, but I don't have the same budget, like that does not stop you from doing that. And like some of the best, okay. So like, for example, it's Monday, every single Monday, me and my four friends who live in the same apartment building, watch Game of Thrones. We're like going through it. And every (laughs) single Monday there's four of us. So one person cooks for the four of us. So three Mondays out of the month, I have a free meal, which is amazing. And then on the fourth Monday, when I cook, sure, it might be a little bit more because I'm making it for four people, but like not that much more than what I'm making regularly. Right. So it's like, that is the biggest like budget hack, if you will. And honestly, that my favorite part of the week, it is so fun. We like catch up on everything. We go through like everything that we've done. And it's such a fun way where it's like, it isn't just about spending money, but it's about the company, right? Like I, have you seen that like adorable little, like Instagram quote that it's like, is it the journey or the destination? And it's like, <laughs> it's the company, right? It's like truly like, that's what it is. And like making traditions with your friends or with other people. And like, meeting other people, um, in, in other ways than, than just like finding like what I have to spend money on or whatever. But, um, I think the biggest thing, like overall that I just want people to get out of this is that finances don't have to be this place of like scarcity. They don't have to be this place of like guilt and shame. Like it gets to be this place where decisions are made based on your priorities, based on where you're at. And also this idea of like where you're at doesn't doesn't have to determine where you're going. Like you can change the trajectory of your financial path and do it while having fun and like while enjoying your life. Now you, you truly get to be elevating your life now and elevating your life down the road financially. And like, that's what matters. That was such a perfect answer. I couldn't have asked for a better, like wrap up and all encompassing, you know, just kind of message to leave everybody with. And I do have to say, like, I've truly never really had a, like a woman like you to look up to that does share like tips for everyone, because I do think a lot of times it's almost like gatekeeping in a sense. And I am very grateful for TikTok and Instagram for the small percentage of people that are like you that are so willing and dedicated to help inform and, you know, help motivate other females too. So I hope a lot of people that are listening to this got something valuable out of it. I don't know how you wouldn't be able to. There's so many other things we can talk about. We can talk about student loans and 401ks and investing. And there's so many, many, like honestly, endless conversations around finances that so many of us at this stage in our life have never had to deal with up until this point. And so if you are struggling and you want to learn more or you're just really into it, I definitely recommend you to go follow Chloe her, do you want to plug your like channels and everything? For sure. So it's deeper the money on everything. Um, deeper period than period money over on Instagram, same thing on TikTok. Um, again, the deeper the money podcast is a great place to start because we really try to do just like, sh- we do interviews and then like short form. How do I learn about this one thing in like 20 minutes podcast mm-hmm. episodes. And also the big thing that I, I really like ride the company on is that we truly like our goal is to make finances and financial literacy accessible. And so we have so many free resources. Like, again, like you're talking about gatekeeping. It's like, we do, of course, we're a business, like we have paid resources, whatever, but like, we have so many free, we have a thousand dollar challenge. It's like literally how to save a thousand dollars in three days. It is free. The training we talked about earlier about high yield savings accounts, like just start somewhere whether it be with like this, whether it be with other stuff, the biggest thing I can promise you is that like, again, like we talked about, like the hardest part is like getting the ball rolling, getting the momentum rolling. And to like take today to just get like, do one thing, one thing closer 
to getting ahead with money because that's where it starts. And I'm just so proud of you. Thank you for coming and listening to this episode. Of course. I mean, we could keep going for hours and hours and hours, but we are celebrating Father's Day today. So I have to start getting ready to go over to my aunt's house because I am in Painesville trying to spend as much time with my family. And um, going back to like the one thing that you said about having so many interviews, if you're going to start listening to Chloe's podcast, the one that I listened to, I think I mentioned this before um, with Natalie Frank, it's about spending things versus just like money, like spending time and especially being home. Um, the time is so much more valuable than money. And so that's a really good one to start at if you're, you know, curious, but thank you so much for coming on. Usually I end every episode by asking, um, my guests, what is your recommendation, um, of my listeners to do for fun this week? And it can be finance related. It can be game of Thrones related, whatever you want. Okay. My number one thing, because this is my big thing is that we got to get more girls in the golf course. So my, my thing this week is go to the golf course, or if you have a friend who golfs, you can just go with them to the range, borrow some of their clubs, try hitting, because it really is, it's such a lifelong sport and it's so fun. So that is such a, a fun way to be outside. And dress cute too, right? Like tennis skirts. Yes. Perfect. You could go to a driving range too. Like, honestly, when I do go golfing, I mainly sit in the golf cart and just look cute and drive it around. Maybe drink a white claw or two, Um, but the driving range is fine. Or even like top golf, I guess you could get some, some good practice, but I feel like going to an actual golf course is more authentic, you know? (laughs) And now that it's, now that it's warm out too. Um, I mean, yeah, also probably a really great place to meet some guys. True. That'd be a great networking place. Yeah, definitely. Oh, okay. Course. Be like, can I get some lessons? Amazing. <laughs> I'll pull a little Sharpay Evans like out there. Yeah, I have them come around the back. You're like, I don't know how to hold it. Can you help? <laughs> <laughs> well, I you guys, it. you guys heard it here first. The next fun on weekdays event is going to be a golf outing tournament of some sort. We'll make it oh, happen, yeah. and then the after party will be at Chloe's Lake House. And <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and thank you again, Chloe, so much for coming on. And if you just finished this and love this episode, go over to Chloe's podcast and listen to the episode that we did together. And if you're coming from Chloe's page, welcome. Hello. I hope you stay a little bit longer. And if you do, I will talk to you next Tuesday.